0: There is some urgency to a lot of cases. (coughs) We recommend uh, using masks as a layer of protection.
1: Bare pharmacy shelves and more signs of a broken health system. The length some families are going to to protect loved ones and the measures we may be facing heading into winter. Good evening if you are a parent and unaware the GTA is in the midst of a children's medicine shortage, consider yourself lucky. The problem has been going on for several weeks now
2: and worsening and it has some families taking extreme actions to find a solution. Our Janice Golding joins us now with tonight's top story. Janice.
3: Zorada, well, Health Canada says there is unprecedented demand for children's medication. Pharmacists tell us there's actually been a supply issue for months. And some parents say they just cannot get their hands on the over-the-counter medications their children need. Thank you. At Meds, the Canadian compounding pharmacy in Etobicoke, the phones keep ringing. Desperate parents hoping someone can help them help their children.
4: There is some urgency to a lot of cases.
3: There's a national shortage of kids' Tylenol and Advil, and to some extent, the antibiotic amoxicillin. So parents are turning to compounding pharmacists for custom-made medicine.
5: Relative to other winters, I mean, 5, 10, 15, 20 more than we normally would in a day sometimes. Uh, there's, you know, there's a lineup forming most
4: nights
6: where, where people are asking questions about one me- medication or another.
3: Parents like Niraj Ball who say they're frustrated and worried. This is my, like a 41 shop search to searching for a medication for my child. Ball's two-and-a-half-year-old has been sick for more than a week.
7: I went to hospital, waited for six hours, and doctor said she's fine, take home, and she need taninol.
3: The problem is finding fever-reducing medications.
7: Like more than 10 location,
8: None of them. None of them. It's, it's really hard. It's really stressful.
7: Nowhere at shoppers and Rexall and all the regular places. No
3: Some parents are so worried they're taking their hunt across the border.
7: We don't find Tylenol. We don't find nothing. So this Saturday I'm going to Buffalo get fear.
3: I decided on my own terms to go to the States to Buffalo and they had a few
9: bottles left. I took one and I let the person beside me take one.
3: Don Arthur, the owner of Brighton Eggert Pharmacy in Tonawanda, New York, says he and his colleagues have seen an influx of Canadian clients.
9: We had a family in on Sunday, drove drove all the way across... uh,
6: Bridge came in uh, just to purchase some Tylenol. But we're having a difficult time getting it.
3: The lack of medication is being blamed in part for a spike in hospital visits. At Toronto, sick kids ER wait times are up to 12 hours and occupancy rates have hit 133% in the general medicine unit. Critical care physician Dr. Michael Warner tweeting today, there are 112 pediatric ICU beds in Ontario, there are 122 pediatric ICU patients in Ontario. Canada's Minister of Health has blamed the shortage on a spike in respiratory illnesses.
1: Demand for analgesics has soared. We now understand really well that this is driven by the severe viruses that are impacting our children across Canada.
3: But that explanation not sitting well with those in the field.
1: It's been gone for like, uh, what, three months now? So it's definitely a supply problem.
3: And while parents work hard to find medication, HEALTH CANADA SAYS MANUFACTURERS ARE WORKING HARD TO INCREASE OUTPUT, WITH SOME PRODUCING AT RECORD LEVELS. The demand for help is so high, in fact, CHIO Ottawa's Children's Hospital opened a second pediatric intensive care unit just yesterday. Reporting live from Janice Golding, now back to Zoraida. Thank you, Janice. With protecting our kids on the
2: forefront, we have some helpful advice for anyone with a sick child navigating all these obstacles. Still ahead, our health reporter Pauline Chan with some key information for you. It's coming up a little later in the show. Well, while the hospitals in our city and across our region struggle to fend off this recent viral surge, our politicians are debating the return of a
1: COVID-era policy. Masking has become a hot topic once again as more people in the medical profession stress the need for faces to be covered. CTV's Siobhan Morris joins us now to explain. Siobhan
9: michelle right now the province's approach is leaving it up to you to decide when and if it makes sense for you to wear a mask inside but people on the front lines of hospitals say more sweeping mandates are needed to reduce infections and take the heat off hospitals there's a familiar rhythm to another pandemic autumn as covid19 infections climb But in 2022, there are new obstacles. So we're really calling it a triple threat these three viruses. A trio making us sick and pushing more people into hospital. We anticipate a severe flu season, actually,
10: as well as COVID-19 still circulating in our communities and other childhood respiratory
9: illnesses such as RSV. More than half of Canada's confirmed flu cases so far have been in kids and teens. Looking at the trends, there is fear that intense pressure on hospitals, especially those caring for children, will only build.
7: The future is not predetermined, you know. In in, in many ways, uh, we're in control of our own destiny.
9: Steering away from a bleak winter will require Canadians to return to habits they may have drifted from.
0: If it has been six months since the last COVID-19 vaccine dose or booster get vaccinated with a bivalent, Omicron targeting booster. It is also a good time to get your flu shot.
9: Ottawa is deferring any decision to reinstitute mandatory masking to reduce viral transmission.
0: We recommend uh, using masks as a layer of protection, uh, but it's up to the provincial authorities to decide what they might do in their own context.
9: To this point, Ontario's chief medical officer of health has recommended people mask up indoors if they're elderly or have underlying health conditions. It's not clear when or if Dr. Kieran Moore will strengthen that advice.
0: Mold it around your face and you
7: want to try to make sure it's fitting really well.
9: Masks aren't perfect, but experts agree a well-fitting one matters.
3: If you compare, for example, schools that have mask mandates to those that don't, We found that the ones with mask mandates had less transmission in the schools. So there's some good evidence that masks do work.
9: A barrier between you and viruses that could be damaging. You need to make sure you don't get infected so you don't transmit
8: it
2: to other people, especially children, older people, people who are at higher risk. A tiny act that can make a big difference. It's just a little thing we can all do to just make us safer. Let's protect the healthcare workers so they're not so overloaded.
9: Apart from mandates, at least one infectious disease specialist is calling to make free masks more readily available in spaces like schools, hockey arenas and malls, so that people are more inclined to wear
1: them. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. The province has released its weekly COVID-19 update. It shows 138 new deaths linked to the virus across Ontario, up from 120 the previous week. The data from the Ministry of Health did not include today's hospitalization numbers, but as of yesterday, 1,722 patients were admitted with COVID-19. CUPE education workers and the province aren't reporting much progress in contract talks. The
2: two parties entered negotiations on Tuesday following a two-day strike. Despite a new offer from the government, the union says it won't accept a two-tier wage increase for the 55,000 education workers it represents. The Ministry of Education has also withdrawn its application to the Ontario Labour Relations Board. It was
1: aimed at getting last week's walkout declared illegal. A transit walkout was on full display downtown this afternoon as GO buses remain parked for a fourth straight day. The good news for riders caught in the middle of this dispute, talks are back on between MetroLink's
2: and its workers' union. Our John Musselman is live outside where those negotiations are going on. John?
5: Well, that's right, Zarida. They continue here this hour at the Sheridan Centre. Still no deal to report, but both sides are hopeful they can get something done. We are now in day four of the GO Transit bus strike. Today members of ATU Local 1587 and supporters from some other unions demonstrated outside the Sheridan Hotel as negotiations on a new contract continue inside. Ontario NDP Interim Leader Peter Tobin's and Toronto Centre NDP MPP Kristen Wong-Tam joined workers at the protest.
4: I'm out here supporting them because they provide a critical service to everyone in this province they need to be treated with respect.
1: When you are a transit worker in Ontario, you an ATU worker, you either work for the city of Toronto or you work for another municipality or in this case, you work for the province of Ontario. They should have good living wages, they should have safe working environments and their jobs should be secure.
5: Workers hit the picket line on Monday. The union says job security and contracting out are key issues. The union represents more than 2,000 employees at Metrolinx. This strike does not affect GO train or Union Pearson Express train service. Still, the strike has caused plenty of headaches for people who rely on GO buses to get into the city from areas in the 905 and beyond. Officials with Metrolink say they are at the table and they are willing to negotiate. They say the key for them is to get employees back to work and customers moving. But in the meantime, those buses will remain parked until they can reach a deal at the bargaining table. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back inside to you.
2: Thank you, John. We're live above the city tonight. Another beautiful evening to be out and about, feeling more like late summer than mid-fall these days. Lindsay Morrison is here now with a look at our current conditions. I was out this afternoon. Lindsay, boy, I could use a fall every day like this would be great.
8: I don't think you're the only one Zoraida. (laughs) Lots of people enjoying this weather, but uh, is today the final hurrah it just might be. It's still very mild at this hour, as you can see. Today, we made it to a high of 21 degrees in the city of Toronto. Interestingly enough, that's not a record. We made it to 24 on this day. Two years ago, but look at Collingwood climbing all the way to 24 degrees this afternoon. Southerly winds assisting with the warm-up. All is clear right now on the satellite and radar, but we have rain in the forecast for tomorrow. And by this weekend, we're going to be talking about flurries. Those details are ahead. For now, though, Michelle, I'll send it over to you.
1: Thank you, Lindsay. Police are searching for two men accused of a North York carjacking. This is the Audi that was stolen from the area of Oakburn, Crescent and Harrison Garden Boulevard Wednesday night. Police say its owner was parking his car when he was confronted by the thieves. Both men are considered armed and dangerous.
2: Police are also on the lookout for a man wanted in connection with a downtown murder last month. 38-year-old Peter Madimenos was shot to death near Queen in Portland in the early hours of October 22nd. Police say the suspected gunman is 28-year-old Sarkis Sogutloup. They warn to call them
1: immediately if he is located and he should not be approached. Provincial police and federal border agents say they've disrupted an effort to manufacture and sell untraceable firearms here in Ontario. The Canada Border Services Agency says it intercepted prohibited devices sent to an address in Woodstock. Police executed a search warrant and found equipment to manufacture these so-called ghost guns and a fully assembled weapon alongside a quantity of drugs. 33-year-old James Hanson of Woodstock and 36-year-old Melissa white Uh, also of Woodstock, face a combined seven charges. They include firearm trafficking and other weapons charges.
2: As rental prices continue to rise, the federal government is committing new
1: cash to its rapid
2: housing initiative.
5: Having the stability of a home, having a place that meets your housing needs but also is affordable and safe can mean the difference between just getting by but actually make your life more stable and actually enable you to get
7: ahead.
2: Housing Minister Ahmed Hussein was joined by Mayor John Tory at a housing project site in East York. Ottawa will spend $1.5 billion to fund accelerated construction of affordable housing and to convert existing buildings to affordable units. Meanwhile, Toronto's mayor has written to the provincial and federal governments to ask for more money to fund the city's pandemic recovery. John Tory says he may need to make deep service cuts, impose tax increases or reduce capital projects in order to make up for a budget shortfall. By law, municipalities cannot
1: run budget deficits. An update to a story we brought you earlier this week. The City of Toronto says it is increasing its efforts to address service requests related to raccoons. Officials say the raccoon population is being hit hard by an outbreak of distemper. The city says it's reassigning more animal services staff to decrease response times as more calls come in about sick and injured wildlife. At the same time, more waste management and transportation workers will be tasked with picking up animal cadavers. The city says... As raccoon bodies should not be placed in the trash.
2: After a long hiatus, the top tier of Toronto Public School football
1: is back on the gridiron. High schoolers squared off in today's championships and as CTV's Allison Hurst explains, they needed to overcome a lot of off-field obstacles to get there.
7: Kicking off the Toronto District High School Football Championships for the first time since the pandemic. <laughs> is something to cheer for. I feel like today and this school year in general might make up for the years
8: that we lost during the pandemic. It's our last year, we're both in grade 12, so just being here is just a great chance.
7: Six teams went head-to-head throughout the day as fans finally back in the stands cheered on their favorite player.
11: Number 85, he's my favorite um, amazing brother and he's number one in my heart, love him.
6: We definitely know what it feels like to have no one watching and I think like definitely really helps when
7: you have like all your friends
4: here. Everything's sort of getting back is back to normal almost right so
5: I think uh, it's great for the kids.
7: There was concern the games might be sidelined when QP went on strike.
5: This has all been organized uh, well uh, in advance. Uh, this takes uh, six months to a year to organize in advance.
7: Tackling the first season post-pandemic restrictions for the players is game-changing.
5: It's amazing.
6: Everybody watching, it's just great. I still can't even wrap my head around it. So, like, I'm still
12: feeling dizzy from it all. Like, the adrenaline's still pumping within me. Like, I don't even know what to say. I'm
8: speechless. At least 30 to 40% of our team comes from marginalized, low income families and communities. We give them an opportunity, and that's all we want from the sport.
7: An opportunity that's also extending the season for this winning team to another game in Ottawa. Allison Hurst, CTV News, Toronto. (laughs) <laughs> if you've been checking labels
1: more closely at the supermarket these days, you are not alone.
2: New data tonight suggests people across the country are doing everything they can to keep costs low as food prices rise. According to Nano's research, 61% of Canadians are now buying cheaper food. 25% say they are stockpiling, while 17% say they are eating less. Others say they are turning to coupons or food banks to make ends meet. Experts suggest this may be, be the new normal
12: particularly for things like meat if it's on special you can buy in bulk and freeze it uh, and only use what you need and then you you less waste because uh, you know wasting is throwing away money and I'd also say look at the frozen fruit aisle because there's a lot of good you know berries uh, fruits and veg that are just as good as the fresh stuff but uh, they're a lot cheaper
2: Ontario residents were among the highest percentages who said they were now buying less expensive food compared to just 30 days ago. Nano surveyed 1,000 people for its poll, which was conducted between Sunday and Friday of last
1: week. In Ottawa, Ontario's Deputy Solicitor General resumed his testimony today at the Emergencies Act inquiry.
10: The Federal Emergency Act measures were put in place to help solve what you've indicated was a policing matter, so a law enforcement uh, issue. Um, Did you see any concern about using uh, federal measures to uh, deal with uh, what is substantially a provincial matter, which is policing?
6: No, because the Emergencies Act invocation, from my view, was um, national in scope. And so, not knowing what the federal government concerns were Canada-wide, I wasn't really in a position to have those concerns.
1: Mario Di Tomaso has told the commission he realized the convoy protest in Ottawa had turned into an occupation after the first weekend of the demonstration.
2: An honored tradition at Sunnybrook today for our country's veterans.
1: An annual flag planting, paying tribute to their sacrifices and their contributions. Our Beth McDonnell has their story.
10: A display of love and gratitude as veterans remember. This is Operation Raise a Flag. 30,000 flags planted on lawns in and around Sunnybrook's Veteran Centre for its residents, some who still have a great sense of humour. When was the first time you saw them and what did you think? What flag? <laughs>
5: <laughs> These flags? I thought it was great, but it seems like an awful lot of work. But I think it's wonderful.
7: It's truly amazing, absolutely. And for all the people to put in their effort to do this is, is wonderful. And this time of year brings back a lot of memories to us. You know, Some good, some maybe not so good.
10: 97-year-old Bert Shinwell was a trooper in the Tank Corps. 94-year-old Jim Lister a leading seaman. Both veterans of the Second World War. They are two men among the one million Canadians who served. The end of the fighting provides vivid memories.
5: Oh, the Japanese quit because they knew I was joining, see, they didn't want to...
7: It was pretty wonderful. <laughs> it's, you know, it's over, So, And we, we celebrated in our own way with, with some drinks.
10: This beautiful initiative has been happening every year since 2010. It's not only showing veterans they are appreciated, money raised goes towards improving their quality of life at the Veterans Centre. 50 of the 275 residents at the centre are now 100 years of age or older. The highest number of veterans crossing the milestone it's ever had. One of our veterans
9: who's now 100, um, we were looking out together a few years ago at the flags and he said, you know, uh, my best friend Billy and I went off to war and Billy didn't come home and he pointed to the flags and he said, but he's here now.
10: While it's been many decades since their times in uniform, both Shinwell and Lister are concerned about world politics, including Russia's invasion in Ukraine.
5: Fighting and dropping bombs on people, and it's terrible. I think it's terrible. They should have learned by now. There's
7: no real peace. There's just wars everywhere we look. And it's frightening. You know, it can spread so easily and so drastically.
10: Shinwell says it's important to keep talking about the war so people understand how unpleasant it really was. Lister says it's important everyone who can volunteer gives back to their community. The flags outside the Veterans Centre is proof of that. Beth McDonnell, CTV News.
2: And we'll have more coverage this hour in the lead-up to Remembrance Day. Still ahead, bridging generations by bringing lost photos back to life. The war reunion story you won't want to miss.
1: And a reminder, ahead of Remembrance Day, road closures will be in place in some areas. Starting at 8.30 a.m., Wellesley will be closed in the area of the Queen's Park War Memorial. And several streets will be closed as of 10.30 near Old City Hall Cenotaph, ahead of the 11 o'clock ceremony. Roadways will reopen at noon. And transit agencies will also be marking Remembrance Day.
2: Tomorrow at 11 a.m., TTC operations will pause for two minutes of silence in honour of those who have served. Veterans will have free access to TTC stations and vehicles. Go Transit and Up Express will be free tomorrow for service members both past and present. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will not be at tomorrow's National Remembrance Day ceremony in Ottawa. He is leaving tonight for a summit in Cambodia. The, it begins on Saturday involving countries from across Southeast Asia. The conference will be the first of four international meetings for the PM in 10 days. Trudeau met with military personnel and veterans in New Brunswick earlier this week. Veterans Affairs Minister Lawrence McCauley will represent the government at Friday's ceremony in the nation's capital.
1: Ukraine expects it'll take Russian forces at least a week to withdraw from the southern city of Kyrgyzstan. Ukrainian troops have been moving into towns and villages in the region. It's the only regional capital to have fallen since the invasion began. Ukraine's defense minister says the enemy has 40,000 soldiers in the Kyrgyzstan region, including some in and around the city.
2: Meanwhile, the world's largest plane will be rebuilt. The Antonov 225 could carry twice the capacity of a Boeing 747 and was also the heaviest plane ever constructed. It was attacked and destroyed by Russia at its base near Kiev in February, shortly after the invasion began. The manufacturer says design work to rebuild the mammoth aircraft is
1: now underway. The first floating hotel for this month's World Cup has arrived in Doha. This is one of several cruise ships hired by tournament organizers and the Qatari government to accommodate fans. More than one million visitors are expected for the World Cup. One night on this ship during the tournament's group stage starts at $470 per person with a minimum two nights day.
2: Coming up, just about the best way to get a deal on Toronto property these days, introducing Monopoly Toronto style. Which landmarks made the cut and what got the dice rolling on this special edition?
4: And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, a woman in Markham had to rebuild her home after a fire. Now that she's done, she's being told she must make major changes to how it looks. She says she had no idea the house was in a heritage zone and that changes had to be pre-approved. All of that story, that's just ahead.
8: It's going to be a mild Remembrance Day in southern Ontario, but if you're headed to a service or a ceremony, you might want to plan for rain. We could stay dry through the morning hours here in Toronto. Wet weather, though, is more certain in the afternoon and evening. Then, cold air arrives for the weekend. We'll talk about that coming up in your forecast. And stay with us, we've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV.
2: When buying a house, there are many factors to be aware of, and that's especially true if you
1: buy what's considered a heritage home. If you buy a heritage home, you may not be able to make any changes to its exterior unless you get pre-approval from your municipality. Our Pat Foran has it, this consumer alert, Pat.
4: I do, Michelle, Lins, Right a thank you. A woman bought a home in Markham, but she says she wasn't aware it was in a heritage district. When it burned down, she rebuilt it and made many changes, but the city is saying they were not approved, and now she's being ordered to
0: change it back.
4: This home in Markham has been completely rebuilt and renovated following a fire that happened almost three years ago.
0: I'd done three years of extensive renovations. It was all top quality products, custom everything, custom doors.
4: This is what the house looked like before the fire and this is what it looks like now. When it was time to rebuild, Heather Bracey decided to give her home a fresh new look. But she was shocked to find out her home is in one of four Markham Heritage Zones and any changes have to be pre-approved by the city. Bracey says she thought it was a joke when she was told she had a heritage home.
0: I think 1996 is a heritage house because that's the year this was built. And then somebody came back and said, no, they're serious, Heather. I'm going, no, they're not. <laughs> yes, they are.
4: Markham is very serious and Bracey received a notice to comply saying she must make major changes to the exterior of the house.
0: The door has to be replaced, the garage door, all the windows and the veneer, the the brick veneer.
4: Bracey says she has no idea how much the changes will cost and feels the city should have done more to let her know she was in a heritage zone before she completed the rebuild.
0: I feel the city should have made an effort to make me aware before the house was built.
4: The City of Markham told CTV News it's sympathetic to the situation but the failure to follow heritage guidelines is between Bracey and her building consultant. A spokesperson said it was made clear on the approved building permit drawings heritage requirements also needed to be met. This includes addressing the roofing selection, window specifications, garage door selection and brick selection prior to ordering and installation. Bracey wants the city to allow her to leave the home the way it is or pay for the modifications required.
0: Do it themselves, put what windows they want in it, put what doors they want in it, and take the bricks off and put whatever colour they want.
4: And a century home is at least 100 years old, but a house can be designated a heritage home for any number of reasons. If you buy one, it means you may not be able to change its appearance or add on to it without permission from the city. On your side,
6: I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca.
1: Hurricane Nicole struck Florida early today, killing at least two people and lashing the state with heavy rain and wind. Several beachfront homes collapsed just south of Daytona Beach. More were left teetering on the brink. The storm came ashore north of Miami around 3 a.m. As many as 350,000 customers across the state lost power. Nicole is now a tropical storm and is expected to continue weakening as it moves north. Can't help but thinking Florida has had such a tough go yep. with in terms of weather. While here at home, we're just once again teetering on record-breaking temps. It's been a rough
8: hurricane season, but today, wow, it felt like summer today, Lindsay. It's hard to believe we're in for some change. Yeah, it is hard to believe, and it's going to be a little bit of weather whiplash for some because we've become so used to what this November has brought us so far. It's been a remarkable month. We're now 10 days in, and this is one of the latest that we have had a 20-degree day in the month of November, but. By the early part of next week, we are going to be talking about temperatures that are below seasonal. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. One of the other changes headed our way, our sunny stretch is coming to an end and rain is on the way. Believe it or not, thanks in part to Tropical Storm Nicole. Here it is. It's now moving over the Florida Panhandle. It still has its tropical storm characteristics, but by the time it reaches us, it will be post-tropical in nature. You can see that the weather warnings are starting to inch their way north. This storm is expected to curve, make its way over Georgia, the Carolinas. Eventually, it's going to be a big weather maker for our neighbours in Atlantic Canada this weekend with uh, heavy rain, very strong winds and even snow for some areas. It's going to collide with a Colorado low that's been bringing snow to northwestern Ontario the last day or so. For us in southern Ontario, wind is less of the story. Rain is going to be the bigger impact, especially for areas like Niagara Falls over toward uh, Caledonia and Haldeman County, and then in through the Kingston and Ottawa areas, 30 to 50 millimetres of rain is going to be possible tomorrow afternoon through until about Saturday. For us here in the city of Toronto, we're expecting to see less than that on the high uh, end of things. We could see maybe 10 to 20 millimetres. On the low end of things, maybe about 5 millimetres of rain. So here's the timing of it. We're dry through the night tonight and for a portion of the morning tomorrow. Some may even be lucky enough to see some peaks of sun, but it is going to be a mostly cloudy day. There's 11 a.m., just a heads-up for Remembrance Day. Niagara, bring the umbrella if you're headed to a cenotaph. For us in the GTA, uh, we're looking at early afternoon, some wet weather with us through a good portion of the evening before it starts to pull away. Look what happens though as we make our way into Saturday and into Sunday. We're going to have some brisk winds moving in off of Lake Huron and Georgian Bay, and as a result some lake effect flurry is going to be a possibility. Tomorrow is Still mild, forecasting an afternoon high of 14 degrees here in the city of Toronto. Then the real change uh, gradually starts to happen. So 8 degrees for the high on Saturday, 5 on Sunday. That's it, with flurries looking likely at this point. Overnight, expecting to drop below freezing for the first time this season. Daytime highs Monday and Tuesday of only 2 degrees, yes, 20 degrees today, 2 degrees next week, and some mixed precipitation possible by about the middle part of next week. That's your look at the weather for now. Zoraida, over to you.
2: Thank you, Lindsay. A new high-tech weather satellite was launched into orbit today north of Los Angeles. Three, two, one, 2, 1, ignition. An Atlas V rocket lifted off around 1.30 this morning. It was carrying a satellite intended to enhance observations of the atmosphere,
1: oceans and land. And here's a new look tonight at a galaxy not that far away, relatively speaking. It's a collection of stars about 3 million light years from the Milky Way. The galaxy has been captured before, but this image comes from the Webb telescope, which was able to get more detail thanks to its near-infrared camera.
2: Also tonight, amid the rise in respiratory illness, the shortage of meds and strained hospitals, when should you take your child to the ER? Advice from an expert.
13: On air, online,
6: on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto.
1: A story you'll only see here.
6: Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6.
1: Returning turning to our top story tonight and the recent rise in respi- respiratory illnesses. Children, especially preschoolers, are the main concern right now.
2: But when should you bring them into
1: the emergency room if they
2: are ill? Our health reporter Pauline Chan has some helpful advice.
14: No. One of the problems with very young children is that their airways are so small and inflammation or congestion can have very serious effects. <coughs> Plus, they may be unable to communicate clearly.
12: Most children don't report reliably on symptoms until about age four.
14: For parents trying to decide if their child needs to go to emergency, Dr. Michael Howlett says one of the key indicators is a change in mental status.
12: When they won't engage with their parents or with you, if they're floppy, if they're lethargic, uh, and persistently uh, not themselves.
14: Another key symptom, dehydration.
12: Things like if they're they're not urinating all day long, if their mouth is dry, if they don't have tears when they cry.
14: And definitely bring your child in if they're having difficulty breathing.
12: Are they breathing faster than normal? Um, Because when kids get shorter breath, they don't breathe deeper, they breathe faster. They'll start to suck in between their ribs, get what we call retractions, uh, or start to use their neck muscles to breathe.
14: Fever in a baby, especially under three months of age, should also be seen by a doctor or emergency department. Dr. Howlett says if your child is under the weather, but still responsive, alert, and not suffering from dehydration or difficulty breathing, just keep a close eye on them. He says Lakeridge Health has also been seeing families coming in because they're unable to get common medications like children's Tylenol.
12: I would say they're not just coming for the medication. But the appearance of the child that they may be ill is more prominent.
14: There are also online resources like Kids' Virtual Emergency Care and trek.ca to help parents identify more serious symptoms. Dr. Howlett's bottom line, parents should trust their instincts.
12: If they think they need to be
14: seen, then we see them. Pauline Chan, CTV News. The Country Music
2: Association Awards have been handed out and Entertainer of the Year went to singer-songwriter Luke Combs.
6: I just cannot believe this. Thank you for country music. And let me tell you one more thing about tonight. This is my fifth or sixth year being at this award show. And country sounded more country than it has in a long time tonight.
2: Combs also took home album of the year for his record, Grown Up. Lainey
1: Wilson, meanwhile, won in the new artist and female vocalist categories. A posthumous track drop from rapper Sidhu Musawala is getting a lot of love online. The not Musawala's song R has 16 million views since it was released on YouTube two days ago. He was a Punjabi artist with strong ties to Canada and Brampton in particular. He was killed in a shooting in India in May.
2: A legal setback for Drake tonight as he faces questions over a promotional stunt for his newest album.
12: Bad Bunny, numbers. No business or robbery. 500 million just for Aubrey.
2: A U.S. court has blocked Drake and 21 Savage from using fake copies of Vogue magazine to promote their album, Her Loss. Publisher Conde Nast argued the artist had no permission to create the counterfeit Vogue. It's also seeking $4 million in damages.
6: Stars Tonight is brought to you by Last Man's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody.
1: After the break, now you can pass Go in TO Monopoly, the Toronto edition, unveiled. A peek at the property up for grabs and how this six-themed board get, uh, aims to do a lot of good.
13: Honoring our fallen heroes. Tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast, live from the Remembrance Day Sunrise Service, paying tribute to all veterans, CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its to everything, every morning.
10: Nowhere are at Shopper's and Rexall and all the regular business,
1: no Updating our top stories, the countrywide children's cold and flu medication shortage continues at a time parents say they need the most. As a result, some families are taking their search across the border, hoping to stock up.
4: I- I'm out here supporting them because they provide a critical service to everyone in this province.
2: The union representing over 2,000 striking Go Transit workers has resumed its contract negotiations with MetroLinks. It comes after accusing the transit agency of intentionally delaying bargaining.
1: And an honored tradition took place at Sunnybrook today for our country's veterans ahead of Remembrance Day tomorrow. Operation Raise a Flag, paying tribute to their sacrifices and contributions.
2: The Ministry of Transportation is moving forward with a highway project that will be the first of its kind in North America. The province is seeking proposals for a two-plus-one highway. It's a three-lane design where the center lane changes direction every few kilometers. Officials say the idea is cheaper to build than twinning a highway. It'll be built in one of two locations on Highway 11
1: north of North Bay. Want a chance to own the six? Well, we have an idea for you just in time for the holidays. Here's Andrew Brennan with the story of the Toronto twist
2: on a board game classic.
6: (laughs) Directly to jail, Ethan. (laughs) It's probably not what Ethan expected to hear from a police chief, but at least it's only Monopoly jail. A new limited city edition of Monopoly features some of Toronto's most iconic landmarks from the CN Tower to the Eaton Centre. But even for the chief, there's no get out of jail free card. I did say to him though uh, that I I like that option go directly to jail. It just seemed to be a lot faster and, and sometimes I think we could use that feature. It's a ride around the city without leaving the table. Although these police officers decided to take their game on the road with the help of a young video director.
11: I
9: believe it's amazing, you know, it just, gives a, it just gives us another way to engage with the community. It's such a great initiative and I was so happy to be a part of it.
6: If a Toronto home is a bit out of your price range, you could get Nathan Phillips Square for all of $60. And in real life, as with the board game, right beside is Old City
7: Hall. I think we tried to capture the essence of Toronto through the game. We tried to capture the, the most critical landmarks, and I, I think the team did a wonderful job of bringing that all together.
6: Pro-action cops and kids got the dice rolling on this special edition board game. Some of the profits from the game sales will go to it, as well as 10 other Toronto charities, and they don't even have to pass go. Andrew Brennan, CTV News.
2: Well, after significant flight disruptions over the summer, more turbulence could be in store for Canadian air travellers. Unions representing airport security screeners say turnover for new employees has been extremely high. Despite efforts to hire more staff, they say only a third of recent hires are still on the job in some regions. Unions say higher wages are needed to
1: stabilize the workforce. It looks like Amazon is joining the list of tech companies trying to cut costs. The Wall Street Journal reports its CEO is reviewing the company to identify projects that aren't turning a profit. Sources say Amazon has also told employees in some divisions to look for jobs elsewhere after their teams were suspended or closed. In business, new data today shows the inflation fight in the U.S.
2: is making progress. Here's Jacqueline Hansen from BNN Bloomberg.
11: Inflation in the U.S. fell below 8 percent for the first time since February. While it is still far above the central bank's target of 2 percent, it is moving in the right direction for both the Fed and Americans. While shelter costs continued to climb and gasoline prices picked up again, relief came from lower prices for clothing and medical care, airfares and used vehicles. BMO Capital Markets Sal Guattieri says the stiff backbone of U.S. Infl- inflation finally cracked, though he cautioned one month doesn't make a trend. Still, North American markets rallied following the inflation data, posting their biggest one-day gains in more than two and a half years on hopes that peak inflation is not only in the rearview mirror, but also that the progress could put a cap on how high the U.S. Federal Reserve will need to raise rates. Markets have been expecting the central bank to top out at about 5 percent. The Fed makes its next rate decision in mid-December. Meanwhile, Bitcoin is also bouncing, even though the crypto world is still reeling from the near collapse of a major crypto exchange platform, FTX.com. Bloomberg News says the founder of the firm told investors that without a multi-billion dollar bailout, the international arm of FTX faces bankruptcy. And now the U.S. part of the business may also be at risk. FTS says trading on its U.S. platform may be halted in a few days. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading higher by more than a cent to 75 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil gained less than a dollar to roughly $86 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select gained $1.50 to about $57 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX jumped more than 600 points to 19,990.36. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of b and Bloomberg.
1: Just ahead, history uncovered after more than 100 years, unlocking the mystery of these First World War photos and their ties to Toronto.
6: Tonight from the nation's capital and a journey of remembrance. He was determined uh, to get it back to the rightful owner. The origin story of an old flag traced back to the doomed raid of Dieppe. Later on CTV National News.
2: And a reminder, the CTV News at 6 podcast is available as a download every weeknight. You can also listen to the show live on News Talk 1010.
6: Get Toronto's top stories, breaking news alerts, and watch live. Download the CTV News app.
2: To a story of discovery now and a Remembrance Day mystery. Dozens of well-preserved photos of soldiers from the First World War have been found after more
1: than 100 years. As John Woodward reports, some detective work connects the images to a Toronto community still deeply affected by its loss. This would have been
13: a
3: Canadian soldier during the First World War.
13: One soldier in a collection of more than 40 glass plate negatives, remarkably well preserved.
3: They are unseen pieces. A lot of these photographs
1: have not been seen in the
13: past. They were recently discovered in a Canadian military officer's estate and now held by Juan Jose Bestiero, who brings a moment in time back to life by holding the negatives up to the light. And we can see the images as they should have been seen. The photos are portraits of young men, mostly from Toronto, wearing uniforms before they shipped out for service in the First World War. Among the men, Frank and Sidney Raven, two brothers who listed themselves as military doctors. None had seen combat, the bravado showing through in expressions and nicknames. Frank Ball is captioned with a line that translates to Breaker of Rocks. We traced the addresses on some photos to a photo studio that once sat next to the Elgin and Winter Garden Theatre on Young Street where the men could get portraits to send home.
0: They just wanted to to send somebody a quick reminder of themselves and, uh, and hope that they're not forgotten.
13: Once in the field, the reality of war set in. Records show Frederick Kirkwood's leg was amputated after an injury, William Partridge's arm lacerated by shrapnel. Of the 21 we could trace, most lived in West Toronto. Just under a third were killed in action, a third wounded or medically discharged. Just over a third survived without physical harm. One of the soldiers, Private Arthur Rawlinson, lived in the junction. He was killed in action in 1916. And just blocks away in the Anglican Church of St. John's, West Toronto, is a memorial to him and others whose photos were in that dusty old box. We showed the photos to the pastor. The church plans to use them as part of research for its own centenary.
10: It's very moving to see their photographs, to put faces to the names that we remember every year.
13: The church lost 40 men in the First World War. Photos show at least 10 of them. A link to past service and sacrifice reconnected after more than 100 years. John Woodward, CTV News.
2: And one photo of a soldier who never came home had not been seen by his family. We'll have that emotional story coming up tomorrow.
1: Mm, Remembrance Day takes on so much meaning when you get to know the stories behind it and for those who are going to be out at 11 a.m. in particular,
8: it's looking like it might be pretty good. I'm hopeful that the rain is going to hold off until afternoon and in the early morning hours it's possible that some parts of southern Ontario will even get some sun, but a heads up that areas like St. Catharines, Niagara Falls, maybe Fort Erie, you will likely see rain a little bit earlier in the day. Let's talk about uh, your wake-up weather. Partly cloudy skies here, in the city of Toronto. Look at the temperature already at 5 a.m., 12 degrees, and we're forecasting an afternoon high close to about 14. But as we go through the next seven days, you'll notice that that's the last of the November warmth, the stretch we've been, well, many, I think, enjoying, maybe not everyone. If you are ready for some colder weather, it's coming, especially through the early part of next week. We might even get a few flurries over the weekend and some mixed precipitation by the middle part of next week. Week. That's a look at the seven-day forecast. Michelle and Zoraida, back to you. Not ready. No okay, neither.
2: thank you, Lindsay. Be sure to join us. Uh, join Omar Sajidina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast at 11.30.
1: In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay
2: Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching. Have a good night. We'll see you at
0: 11.30. Yeah.